how? Yo, I did better than that. Didn't expect that. That did was you? that was. <laughs> yeah, our, our animals hit puberty finally. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> after, after however many episodes we're on, they finally hit puberty. Ow, 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 ow. Brad, yes, she did a great job of mimicking us. I'm very Thank proud you. of you. Thank you. Um, I cannot believe you made an hour long episode of just you talking. That's insane. Guys, here's the thing. That was one take. <laughs> There's a touch. That was one. Dude, take. That's called that's called a touch of narcissism, and I love it. That is amazing that you talked for an hour. I would be at the same time. I would be so no self-conscious. No one would be surprised if David and I or I just talked for an hour. Oh yeah, no, they they wouldn't. Um, I don't know if it'd be listenable, but um, <laughs> we would try. We try to to get something going. Proud of you, Brad. You had it organized. You had you know you had some topics to talk about. You gave a thunder analysis that no one asked for, and I'm sure they appreciated That's it. True. <laughs> it's true. like, oh man, it was. Uh, it was great. I learned um, actually a lot from that analysis, though, Brad. I appreciate how much you enjoy basketball. You follow it. You will be a true fan, clearly. No one's questioning that. That team is going to be terrible for, what, the next six years, seven years? How, uh, how, how long is this going to cause? I mean, it, it Just heartache in Oklahoma. It could take a while. Because but... they're rebuilding the team, basically. I mean, they got, they got a good trade. Uh, what's his face for Russell? Yeah, Chris right? Paul. But he probably won't yeah. stay. for those of you who listened to the last episode and were like you know what i didn't get enough keep going brad no no i want you to check no here's a fun here's here's the only fun fact it's a sports corner is that i've actually never paid to go to a thunder game i've been to a few but every game i've ever been tickets have either been given to us or well they've only ever been given to us we've never paid for them is that because you're a spendthrift uh just it's just happened that way. I don't know. Because, so Megan works at Chesapeake Energy, which they have their name on the building, right? So the... That'll do it. Because of that, they get tickets, and there's like a lottery for her company. And if you get chosen, which is normally one game a year, then you get to go to the game, and I think you pay the taxes on the tickets or something. James, would you... Re- religiously object to that lottery with that company would you be like i'm sorry i i can't buy into the lottery for my uh my Just, strong christian you mean religiously beliefs. yeah um i mean i'm fine with it all right cool go ahead brett i mean I- well the thing about it is is that the tickets that you get through that is tickets that we could never afford on our own so right. most games that we go to we sit in these amazing seats because we're not paying full price for them. And so, and the only other games I've ever been to has been when somebody calls you last minute and says, I've got an extra ticket. The person who I was going with got, you know, backed out or whatever. And then no more, those are up in the nosebleed, but those are fun too. So yeah, that's normally how I go to anything. Yeah, That's how Except I went to the uh, Justin Timberlake concert. That's true. You did get, those seats weren't terrible, were they? I mean, there's not really, bad seats in basketball arenas really everything not. is They're pretty good yeah so because you're so you're everything's on top, vertical you're on top of the stage yeah. or the court i was about to brag about our southern miss tickets that we had they were pretty good we were with the opposing uh team's cheer section we were very close to that yeah i mean that's see southern miss that's kind of where you want to be though but it was a lot of fun yeah it was a lot of fun if you want to make sure there's uh going to be some some real angst and uh, oh, sure. conflict be in the middle of the other team section. <laughs> so speaking of your beloved Southern Miss teams. To the top. So I to the top. I was on LinkedIn and I noticed that there was this guy who apparently I'm connected to on LinkedIn that sells I think he sells tickets for Southern Miss. He's he does something with Southern Miss. And he was advertising this watch party for one of y'all's games. And the flyer that he posted on LinkedIn said ASU versus USM, and then it had the football helmets. Well, I noticed that the football helmets, the football helmet for the ASU team looked an awful lot like Florida State's helmet. And so I let this go for about a week, and then on Friday, I, I just sent him, I just commented, and I said, I don't want to be negative here, but your helmet is Florida State, not Arizona State. And he responded with it's not arizona state it's alcorn state 
or something like that. And I was like, oh, damn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then he said, yeah. check your facts. You were expecting fact. to be a then, team then you had heard of. Then he had to throw of. in an extra one of check your facts. Did he sash buddy. you? Yeah, he did. And I was, yeah, he thought you were an internet troll who was yeah. just really terrible at your job. Be more aware like, oh, of no, Alcorn no, no. State, buddy. Everybody in America knows what Alcorn State's helmet looks right. like. I may have gotten so that back wrong. off. I don't know if it's Alcorn State or who y'all are playing, but it's not or somebody State. equally irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Conference USA. That's uh, that's where we yeah, at. So let that's that be a lesson at. to you, kids. If you're gonna try to help. I wasn't trying to sass. I wasn't trying to even necessarily correct. I was actually trying to help if it was actually a wrong helmet. And if you're going to do that, know what team <laughs> is actually on. Yeah, there are there are two people on this podcast that are obsessive about details um, when it comes to stuff like that. Brad, I'm, you're one of them. I think I think I can be that be that way with certain things where I get just oh, just crazy about typos because and there's only one reason and it's not because I was born that way or it's my personality it's because I've been mocked so aggressively growing up about my like poor grammar and my inability to do these basic things like dif- differentiate between uh, three theirs you know what I'm saying that it's uh it's changing man so i'm proud of you for getting on there on linkedin and just sassing that guy to the point where he felt like he was in a corner and he was going to claw your eyes yeah out. Way hey, brad Way not to, to be brad. that guy definitely not alcorn state Ooh, it's not not <laughs> no. they're so purple and gold with State's a big helmet. a i'm i'm working on it all right cool. i just clarified to start not with alcorn state not that because their well, you know. mascot is what an a cardinal Whoever it is has a helmet that looks an awful lot like Florida State. (laughs) Once again, Arizona State. (laughs) So I had had Holden this weekend all alone. That's exciting. Wife went up. Yeah, wife went up to see my sister outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and uh, helped out with their new baby. Nice. It was a big deal. I've had Holden before, but not for this long. So it was Thursday through Sunday, and um, we we had a really good time, man. Had to get a babysitter because Squid in the Well played a show Thursday night, but it was just me and him, dude, living the life, going to the zoo, eating all sorts of foods out. We have a breakfast place called The Depot. Uh, Anybody who's listened to the Josh Casper episode has heard about The Depot, but we went there not once, but twice. Hannah thought I was going to go every morning, but I did not. I just did it twice. But uh, Take that, Hannah. Yeah, take that back off, Hannah. I know you're listening, (laughs) but we we had a good time, man. Nice. Arizona I State's feel, the Sun feel, Devils. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, it's Arizona Cardinals or the NFL team. Yep. Obviously. I'm Come sure on. Come the three on, people that were listening to this were screaming. <laughs> they were like, no, no, idiot. I bet he doesn't even play fantasy football. So while he's continuing to look this up, I have a story for you that happened on Thursday night. So this weekend, I was also a bachelor, and – Megan and her sister took her mom down to Dallas for her mom's birthday. So on Thursday evening, we had both of them here with us visiting. Well, in the summertime here in our lovely town of the village, Oklahoma, we get skunks. And we have skunks that will parade around uh, our our neighborhood. Well, our, our dog has been sprayed... Once last year, and apparently halfway got sprayed on Thursday night. So that happened. And then, so I had to leave her out in the garage because at night she comes in, she sleeps on her bed in our living room. About four o'clock in the morning, I hear what sounds like her barking. Now, for reference, I own a beagle. So Beagle's Bay, which is really loud and obnoxious. And... I, that's what it kind of sounded like, but then it also kind of sounded a little bit different. So because it was four in the morning, we had visitors here, and it, I'm just trying to be a conscientious neighbor. I go out there to try to figure out what the heck is going on, thinking that there might be a skunk out there, and I don't want her to get sprayed again, the whole thing. So I go out there. She's just out there barking, or what sounds like barking. I call her. She comes running. I start investigating. I can't see anything out in the yard. I'm kind of going 
what the heck is going on? She's got her tail tucked like she's scared. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And she keeps looking in the corner of our of our garage. And so I I keep looking over there, but I don't see anything other than what looks like the fact that she had peed in our garage and apparently pooped a little. And I thought, well, that's... <laughs> Just a little. That's... A little bit of poop. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Because, you know, she knows to go outside. She has a doggy door. This isn't a, she's not a young dog, so I don't know what's going on here. But she does revenge pee in our garage. When I do a lot of woodworking, she actually pees on, like, the sawdust to get back at me because I didn't give her enough attention, I guess. Uh, Hannah does the same thing. But anyway. Who does? So she keeps. <laughs> you say my wife's name? The look of shock on David's face. Yep, that was, was unexpected. Just amazing. That was unexpected. Um, I always blame Lacey May for things. I figured I'd change it up. Oh my gosh! All right. So, so <laughs> anyway, your, long, your dog right, defecating. So, so long story short, I'm still trying to figure out what's happening. I, I can't see anything, and then I look over and I see that we had a fan. She had started chewing through the cord and shocked herself. And scared the crap out of herself. And so the noise I was hearing was her taking off into our backyard. Just like, (laughs) and she's fine, which is why I find it funny. But she had chewed just enough through the cord where it shocked her. And she she pissed herself and ran (laughs) off. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So that happened on Thursday night. That's nice, man. Yeah. That's a family-friendly story right there. I enjoyed it. So... I'm pretty sure that guy just picked the wrong helmet because looking at Alcorn State, their helmet is not anything like Florida State's helmet. So Take that, sir. Did you... All right, and you looked at their other logos? I, I looked up Alcorn State okay. helmets. Well, unless they're doing a throwback to the 70s when nobody cared who we offended, <laughs> maybe you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay, so we're obviously we're obviously keeping this entire thing and this is why we are, And I need you to getting, send it to this guy. We are getting super <laughs> close to that top twenty on iTunes and y'all know why. It's called quality. And I, I I'm I'm imagining every one of our listeners kept getting closer and closer to their edge of their seats. And when oh, I yeah. said Brad has been vindicated, people jumped and pumped fists into the air. Speaking yelling, yes, speaking in of public that, spaces. on another throwback to last episode when it was just me, Megan went on a walk and did listen to it. And she told me that I brought suspense through most of that episode because I didn't actually tell people until the very end that the mom had decided to parent. So the whole time, it, I made it sound like we had gotten a baby for the whole time. Which is really impressive of building suspense if your wife was uh, Yeah, she was like, seat. I know the story, and I was, our, I was getting tense. <laughs> Dude, Megan sounds if anybody like, should know how the story goes. <laughs> well, she actually thought it was a surprise that Brad oh, was, okay. was like, listen, listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it was right. a super weird way I know of me I telling you we you got every a child. two weeks to listen and give me feedback, but for real, I need you to listen this time. Okay, it's just me, and there's a really big surprise at the ending. And <laughs> tell me. We got a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there's actually there were two types of listeners. Like the, the they were both on the edge of the seat, right? So one we're all about binaries. Yeah, one was yeah we are. Um, that's what our podcast is about. Um, no gray, just black and white. <laughs> so <laughs> straight up, one group on the edge of the seat. The big reveal comes. Fist pumping. They're like, yes, Brad. Yes, way to go, Good Brad. Good job for not having Thank a you. child. Yes. Oh. No. Um. And then the other group, no, I'm talking about oh, the Oh, this the one, logo. not last one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Ooh. with the logo situation, you got one group that's like, Brad, finally got a win. Finally got a win. <laughs> um, then the other group was on the edge of the seat because they were looking for the stop button in their car. And they stopped the podcast. They were like, no, no. I just well, don't I want care more. about I want better quality <laughs> than this. So. so Josh Harris, man. Josh Harris has been, uh, it's been in the news, man. I refuse to transition until there's a song. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I kiss dating goodbye. This is about Josh Harris, guys. I'm really glad I could be there. 
uh, for that trans. Jan- Brad, Brad did not like my song. <laughs> you guys keep going. Brad just quit the podcast. Brad's gone. No, I I told you that story about skunks, and I remembered that my dog's outside. I hear her barking real big. Hold on. Oh, okay. Y'all keep going, because now I think I smell a skunk. So I'll be back. This is a this is real life, y'all. We gave Guys. you we gave you a play by play of what happened to Brad, his dog, and what we thought was a skunk, but ended up being electricity. Right now, we have an opportunity for to see it right into his life as his dog gets accosted by the neighborhood skunk. James, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat right now, wondering what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure the only place anyone listening should be is the edge of their seat. <laughs> so if you're not there, correct it immediately. Um, I feel like right we're now, watching American we can... Ninja Warrior, and we're the commentators, and we are getting really excited about what's about and to happen. And it's the new season, and he decided to go for the 15-foot wall instead of the 10-foot. Oh, my gosh. Right now, all, like remember uh, there was um, there's something with, I think, Brexit. Where there's there's a a British like news guy who uh, was standing outside of like their White House equivalent, and he was like, "I'm just standing out here. There's not really anything to do, but stand right here." So I'm checking now, in with you all. Thank you we're, so much. We're going live to Brad. Was there a skunk? Brad's back. He looks a little panicked, but he's also smiling. No, he's completely naked. Brad, let our listeners know what happened and why aren't you wearing pants. <laughs> No, so I told the story about skunks, and I could hear my dog going nuts behind me, and it's getting to be pretty dark here. That's when the skunks always come out. It's about now when you start to smell them if they spray, and I thought I smelled one, and I heard her barking, so I had this thought of, oh, crap, did she just get sprayed again? But alas, no, she did not. Well, Brad, we're just glad you made it out alive. Glad the dog's okay. And welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. And uh, just in case anybody was wondering, yes, there wasn't a story. Also, if you're wondering, I am uh, continuing to put my fingers next to my ear like I'm live on a news That's channel. It's the right only now. way people can know we are serious about this story. That's right, James. Uh, back to you, Brad. Back to James. So, <laughs> for those of, of you who are not uh, aware, um, Josh Harris who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye, um, recently got divorced. And so he kissed his wife goodbye. Uh, probably not. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so he got divorced and um, put out a statement on Twitter. Instagram, but who cares? Whatever, it's the same thing. It's, it's true. Tw- Instagram is Twitter with more words. Insta-Twitter. Long-winded Twitter. With a picture. <laughs> You can put pictures on Twitter. It's so true. It's just proving your point. <laughs> Insta Twitter. Here we are. So, um, you know, as a, as an intro, I'll just I'll read what he said. His post said, "My heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. They are expressions of love. They are expressions of love." though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of the decision. I'm learning that no group has marketed the corner mar, has the market cornered on grace. This week I've received grace from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have also been strong words of rebuke from religious people. While not always, always pleasant, I know they are seeking to love me. There have also been spiteful, hateful comments that have angered and hurt me. The information that was uh, left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my, to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By, the measurement, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Martin Luther said that the entire life of believers should be repentance. There's beauty in that sentiment, regardless of your view of God. I have lived in repentance for the last several years, repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my views on women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But I specifically want to add to this list now to the LGBTQ community. 
I want to say that I am sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. I regret a regret standing against marriage equality and for not affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to the culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. To my Christian friends, I am grateful for your prayers. Don't take it personally if I don't immediately return the calls. Uh, I can't join in your mourning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive and awake and surprisingly hopeful. I believe with my sister Julian that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. So that's what he posted. And what I want to talk about is not actually his announcement, but a specific article that was written on it. I feel like the article goes through a lot of the aspects that that we've talked about in different episodes and gives a a somewhat accurate view from like 30,000 feet of what uh, many people of faith believe in regards to just kind of the culture shift that's happening uh, within uh, the church and within people leaving the church and all of that. And... I mean, the place to start is the the title of the article is I Kissed Dating Goodbye Author Says He's No Longer a Christian. Get ready for a flood of Christian deflections or defections. And that's amazing to me (laughs) that that people who are church leaders, it seems like they don't even believe in the level of discipleship they have actually put in that when – one person says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't subscribe to this anymore. I'm pulling my books from the shelves that they would think that that's going to cause a flood of Christian defections is amazing to me. Yeah. So if you're interested in this article, it's by what? Paula Boyle, Ballyard. Ballyard. It's a B O L Y A R D. We'll post um, a link to it. And we'll post the link to it because we want you all to read it and be able to make your own assessment of the article. Um, that being said, to what you just mentioned, um, I think that there's a there's a contingency of the of the Christian culture, whether or not it's um, pastors, authors, bloggers, etc., that see uh, Christian celebrity almost in a way that we saw it when we talked about it in the sense that it has um, it, the potential for more negative effect than positive when a Christian gets kind of put up on a pedestal and that many Christians look to our Christian celebrities, whether or not they're pastors or actors or musicians, for an example of what the Christ life looks like. And also they're held to a higher standard than than the three of us, frankly. Now look at I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which, did y'all read it when you were little? I didn't either. My brother did. I wish we could get Daniel on right now. Daniel was like bought into it very young age. And y'all see where he is now uh, religiously. So (laughs) maybe there's a clear connection. Um, But legitimately, this book had a huge impact on the purity culture, on how people understood um, dating and why we should or should not do that, women's roles, um, what a Christian marriage looks like. And when he wrote this book, it, you know, it talks about in this article, you all probably already know, but he was around 20, you know, yeah, he's 21. 21 years old. So you have someone who obviously doesn't have extensive life experience. And I think that he, if he was on this podcast right now, he would say, yeah, no, I was not in a place to be giving out wisdom at 21 on relationships, but, but I did. And this book was a huge success. It had a big impact on the culture. And now X amount of years later, a public divorce basically apologizes for aspects of his book has publicly he pulled it from shelves. Yeah, pulled it from shelves, right? So when you pull a book from shelves that's been as successful as this book, like that's a that is a huge statement. Um, and it's a huge loss to him financially. And so for her to come up for the for the author to make 
basically the statement just in the headline about get ready for a flood of Christian defections, I think she's tipping her hat to the impact that Christian celebrity has and in her view, negatively impact Christianity or the true Christians as um, as she kind of captures it. Right. Well, in in the article, to, to kind of jump down some, she um, actually does talk about how Christian celebrity is one of the main things that's contributed to this large amount of people leaving the faith um, with... Uh, yeah, she kind of... She gives three points about seeker-sensitive church growth models. Is that what you're talking about? So she like basically outlines Christian celebrity culture, uh, seeker-sensitive church growth models, a.k.a. pulling, pushing up, kind of lifting up or glorifying the individual, and then the prosperity gospel, to name a few, along with social media and then the militancy of the LGBTQ movement as as kind of these these cultural factors that have gone almost like a spear into the strength of Christianity in America and then uh, obviously tore it apart and led people astray. Right. And so so with that though, I think from from things that we've talked about on this podcast, we would absolutely agree with that that there's a large aspect of a downfall of Christianity and the type type faith that's built from when you go through prosperity gospel type thinking and Christian celebrity culture and all of that. Like I think we would agree with that. I mean I wouldn't with agree two. with yeah. necessarily seeker sensitive uh, church growth models while at the same time I have been a part of churches that are very much that and don't do a good job of moving people past like very entry point like baby Christianity because they're they're wanting to pull people in who are at that point and that's what they see themselves as being for they don't move people past it um, and so there is an issue there that that I've definitely felt yeah, in different churches I wonder also if and I don't know what the proper definition of a seeker-sensitive church growth model is, but I, I would assume that she's pointing towards uh, church communities that are everyone's allowed, more inclusive, allow people who identify as gay to come to their church, people who identify as non-Christian to come and just kind of be a part of, of their ministry. And if that's the definition, um, like we're obviously part of a church that – Kind of prob- maybe falls into what she's describing. Potentially. Yeah, not I what mean, you were describing. I mean, that's true. That 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 I just feel like there's like a lot inclusive. of people who would be anti um, yeah. in- inclusivity. But while while I'm not in agreement on that, I do feel like there's a lot of risk with with not helping people progress their faith. You know, which which can be in in either camp. That can be the case. But but a lot of people who kind of uh, pride themselves on having people who um, don't know what they believe or whatever you believe, you're welcome here. Like people who don't help people figure out what they believe then, just leave it with, it's fine. Like whatever you want to, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the same type of thing that's fed into what we've talked about before, the idea of deconstruction without reconstruction. Um, that is, it's a bad idea. Uh, it just... It's, it doesn't promote um, health and growth in any aspect if you get people to entry level and then keep people in like the 101 class. Like there's not anything that's going to develop in that area. And obviously we don't even have to go into <laughs> the idea of the militancy of the LGBTQ movement because uh, yeah, but it's I'm gonna I'm gonna play the other the other side in the sense that if I was taking the view of this author, like if if I had her core beliefs and like the LGBTQ group is an attack on Christian culture, on Christian values, et cetera, which there's a large percentage of Christians that still hold that view. You see, you see the term militancy. And then you look at how, what in what early two thousands, Obama, the Clintons, like many, many liberal politicians weren't comfortable advocating for this group. And now, Less than twenty years later, 
it's 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 accepted basically across the country. You look at the younger population, which she kind of references how the younger the youth are being brought up, how the youth are just like that's just part of life. There are people who identify as gay. Right. Um, I could see how she would be freaking out <laughs> right now, and and f- honestly, probably uh, our parents' generation is freaking out. Right. A lot of them are, not all, which, but a lot. As as we go through some of this, we'll we'll definitely get to that more uh, later. But um, so so after <laughs> just kind of her recounting, this is what he said and and uh, everything. She she drops a, a note in there. She says, "No, just because uh, so many people have asked, no, I do not believe that someone can be an ex Christian. If Harris has been truly saved, he would not be renouncing Christianity." And it just feels like that's that's quickly in just a sentence alienating people that don't need to be alienated. Like if in in what he said, he he specifically said, "I'm open to to faith and figuring out what that looks like." And when you when you take this kind of hard stance, you you slam the door on that, uh, and and vilifying the idea of seeker sensitive. It's like if you are not all in, you're out. Yeah. Like if you're not all in immediately, you're out. Which she even um, in the article vilifies the, uh, um, which I also agree with the fact that um, Christianity has been weakened because um, we've had this church model of just get as many people in to walk down the aisle and pray a prayer and that's it. And you know that's that's what I was talking about with this issue that that both sides run into uh, the more conservative side of that being such a focus that you don't really develop the faith beyond hey let's try to make sure you don't go to hell um, and then in like the more like liberal side of of all of it sometimes there's too much of an openness that there's no hard stances on, well, this is stuff that's truth. Um, and so both ends of the spectrum feel like have really messed with people. Um, and I've talked to way too many people who have gone through deconstruction who now are at the point where they basically go into the like, well, you don't know what anything that's true. Like I could have just been created and everything that's happened before that I know was just something that, was in my mind as soon as it happened. So I don't know that anything before this happened. Like, okay, well, if you're at that point, there's no point in discussing anything. Um, and sadly, a lot of people deconstruct to that point and then just leave it there. And that's that's a fairly common thing now. Um, there's the also indis- flat earthers. No, not not a lot of them aren't that I've talked to are not flat earthers who believe that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. I just I was just listened to a podcast on flat earthers, and there's a contingency that's Christian and right. flat earthers. Not, not. I'm not saying most Christians are, but I'm like, oh my gosh, right. yeah, we should do an episode on that. But I mean, it, it seems like it's a rebellion from where we we grew up with questions are bad. Like, you have to know everything for sure. People have rebelled against that by going into the camp of, yeah. You don't know anything, for sure. Like, right. everything's whatever up in the air. Do whatever you want kind of thing, almost. And so... So I, her her statement on, I don't believe that, you know, somebody is a Christian if they walk away from their faith, then that they were never a Christian in the first place. Yeah. Would you would you couch that, either Brad or James? Is, is That's a Calvinistic statement, is it not? It is. I mean, it's it's people who go from the camp of once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. And so, why, so because why they would can't her believe. stance? Why would her stance be? Oh, well, if he said that, then he was never saved. What if he's saved, and he's deconstructing his faith? It's a lot. <laughs> he made it, and he made I a mean, statement publicly as a celebrity that, hey, I'm going through this, and so I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm a Christian. In, in that camp, it's wherever you are currently at at that moment shows the truth of where you've always been. Um, and so anytime you make a good or bad decision, 
that shows that whether everything was good or bad before then almost that's what well, that's, that's what it realistically ends up yeah that's, that seems to. insane to me though so like I somebody agree. somebody's uh pastor's cheating on his wife that never happens but let's just take that scenario a pastor's cheating on his wife then gets hit in a car wreck and dies was he not saved you know it's like that's clearly that, that that's behavior that does not emulate Christianity. It's a do not covet, right? Like that's do not covet another man's wife. Like right. that's obviously not in line with the example of the God of the Old Testament or Jesus. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Brad, you look like you have something to say, but you're just shaking your head. Uh, I've been trying to formulate exactly where my thoughts are with this because I go many different directions with this. First of all, anytime I hear somebody talking about deconstruction, when they start to badmouth deconstruction or something of that nature, I, be, I begin to wonder what is it that they think that that person is deconstructing from? Because my thought is, and, and based on the title of this article based on the phrases such as the militancy of the LGBTQ community and things of that nature is it's purely based on fear and that is what this whole thing is about so to me when I hear deconstruction I hear that somebody possibly may be deconstructing from a construct of what they've been told of what God is or what the world is or what Christianity is and they've been told about this construct that doesn't make sense in their life anymore but I feel like when somebody says deconstruction people assume that that means that they don't believe in a God at all and I don't, I don't believe that that's the case in in most cases I believe that there's a construct that you've been given throughout your life and that particular person, something doesn't jive. For instance, I've been told to read the Bible literally. And then I read about genocide. And I don't agree with genocide. And I go, this is weird. But then I've been told that if I don't believe this part of the Bible, I don't believe the Bible at all. And that makes me not a Christian. What does that mean? You start deconstructing this notion that's been thrown in your head that this has to be this and this and this and this, and now you're deconstructing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't believe that there's a creator in the universe who created people, loves people, etc., etc. So I immediately get defensive when I hear somebody go on about watch for everybody deflect, defecting or whatever, because I'm going, defecting from what? What are you, what is it that you're so afraid of? Are you afraid of the people leaving your churches because then you're going to lose your tithing money? Like, what are you afraid of right now? So there's that. I also, when you hear me say the words, that's an asinine statement of the militancy of the LGBT, you're stoking fear. That's all that statement is to me. That's, that's all that statement is. It's the same as the Ohio state representative that blamed, well, I'll just read it because it happened today, the Ohio State representative that blamed these mass shootings that just happened this weekend on the breakdown of the traditional American family. Thank you, transgender, homosexual marriage, and drag queen advocates. Fatherlessness, a subject no one discusses or believes is relevant, and the ignorant or the ignoring of violent video games. So to me, I mean, all of that goes into the same pot as far as trying to stoke this fear and blame and whatever else. So I just have a hard time with this because she goes on to cite Rob Bell, Rachel Held Evans, a bunch of people. And I feel like she brought those names up just to get people going, yeah. Right. Cause those yeah. are people that a lot of people like to not like. And so you know, she just she was stoking some backers. It felt like so. So the issue I have with it is that when when you don't allow for questions of 
how faith has been pursued and things that are common practice for faith, you allow for things like Christian celebrity to be the thing, like for us to follow, like have your mainstream person that you follow and everything's just about whatever they say. Um, the just having people walk down the aisle, pray a prayer and no discipleship. Um, all, all of the things that, that she shoots down in this, which deconstruction is looking at what you believe and pulling it apart and seeing what holds weight. Like that's what deconstruction is supposed to be. And in this article, she condemns aspects of Christian faith that shows that's a level of deconstruction. Like that's that's the frustrating thing to me. No, she hasn't gone to a further level where she's questioned some of the things that some of the other people that she mentions have questioned. But there has been a deconstruction of Christian practices, and so she's condemning some of them, rightfully so, and saying these these are things that are breaking down what what Jesus wants us to be, and that's what in in my experience deconstruction. Uh, people who've gone through like healthy forms of deconstruction, really pursuing truth and not just trying to burn it all down, end up landing on the question of like, well, what would Jesus really want? And that seems like what what could be better if you're going to take on a label such as Christian than trying to find out what Christ would want. So I just feel like it's it's a healthy thing, and she seems to promote the idea of it. And while condemning it, just because it's a hot burning word, um, and that's <laughs> that's really messed up to me. I think um, just to add to that, I mean, I I think the challenge is that these I don't know what to call them uh, a traditional uh, evangelical Christian is looking at not only the words of Jesus but also looking at the New Testament, looking at specifically Paul looking at the way that they have taken the words of Christ, the example of Christ, and then worked with different communities through different letters to kind of address issues where maybe uh, whatever, the Church of Galatians or, or whatever, have, have, have veered off the path or the path that um, these disciples or writers of the Bible have basically deemed as like, this is this is what the rightful interpretation of, of Christ's example should be. Um, and she looks to that and then looks at the promotion of LGBTQ in, in the two thousands and, and asks, how does this line up with the world that we were given in the Bible? And I think there is a, there's a challenging connection it's it, that's all right. It's hard for traditionalists to make the connection between the world now and the world back then, and I I think it's fair for me to say that the a lot of the folks that read the Bible are not giving weight to the cultural differences of of these two time periods, um, and they're taking statements made. I'll bring Paul up again about women's roles, about um, the gay community, about about these different aspects of flagrant sexuality, of sleeping around, of like looking at the examples that were given by the fathers of Christianity and wondering how can we look at modern American occult how, how can we look at modern American culture? and make a connection between the two. Now, obviously, they conveniently ignore our obsession with individuality, um, war, um, the collection of wealth. Right. Like, there's a, there's Think, a lot things of things that are that commonly are, talked about in the Bible. Yeah. Um, things such that, as things greed are, and worry. Right. And, and, and anxiety. Yeah. Um, obviously, things are picked that kind of like support the world that they're trying to present. And I have, I do have an issue with, you know, her statement talking about like 
okay, so we have all of these kids who came and walked down the aisle. And then we're basically saying, hey, you're saved. And then they were ill-equipped. Although that is the case for, I'm sure, a substantial percentage of, of early Christians, there are also three guys on this podcast that didn't just do that. We actually bought into the whole message or a lot of the message hook, line, and sinker, stayed with it through high school, through college, and then started at different times, the three of us, asking harder questions and deconstructing some aspects of of what we were taught, like you were talking about, Brad. And then for whatever reason, we're still trying to hold on to this faith, this Christian faith, even though a lot of things correctly don't gel or don't make a lot of sense to us. Right. Um, And so I'm like, we're not alone. Right. It's not a minority. While while we say that, like, I, if we looked at the numbers that did that from the church that we went to, and during the same time frame, the amount of people that through revivals that were done at the high school or at the church where hundreds of people would come and pray that prayer to not go to hell and then bow out and never go to church again because they got that that card. So like statistically, yeah, like there was, you know, within our two grades, you know, 30, 40 people, but there were hundreds who were walked down the aisle to pray that prayer that then I didn't ever see at church again after after that. Um, through all of all of high school, like they they got that card, and so like yes, there are some that stuck with, but let's say that's that's not the majority at all. Yeah, I would love I'd love to see I'd love to see some research on that just to look at some breakdown of those numbers. Because um, you're right, yeah, I'm sure there were a ton that just said the prayer and then walked off. But then I think about me, and I'm like, well, I said the prayer more than once. I stayed with the faith. I was I checked all the uh, the Baptist boxes for years. Um, the three of us were quote unquote good kids, right? <laughs> we weren't killing animals or setting fires or having sex or. And then I think about like my twenties, and I think about Brad's twenties, and I think about your twenties, and I'm like, well, we all experience the world in different ways, for sure. <laughs> you know, what I'm like we've all. I can't say we all, but most of the people on this podcast have hit rock bottom and and done things that we're you know ashamed of, et cetera, that would have put us in that camp of the folks that right. said the prayer and then went and and lived how they wanted to live selfishly, you know. And so I I bring all that up to say like what makes what makes me better than those folks, you know. Like just because I'm I'm still trying to ascribe to aspects of, of faith that are convenient to me and some that are inconvenient, but you know, it's it's hard for me to put myself on a pedestal just because I've had discipleship and that I can I can work my way around the Bible fairly successfully and there are aspects of what she, of things that she said that she says specifically that made me think, Oh crap, I do agree with you. <laughs> And I think James, yeah, that's what I'm about saying. That. Like, there there's are, a lot there that I agree that, with. Yeah, I'm like, the same. I'm the same. I'm like, oh man, that's a really good point. You know, one of them, and you're probably gonna hit on it though. Is like, she even talks about how uh, Josh was was illustrating a earlier courtship model that was much more uh, widespread. Not even what a uh, hundred years ago. And you think about like it's so it's hard for us to even yeah, the wrap, idea of dating is new. Yeah, it's hard for us to even wrap our heads around that in the sense that like there was a world not very long ago where you were you were basically passed on from family to family for you know like oh well uh, this husband is 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 a good fit for you not because of your personalities or because you all fell in love but because uh, his family has land <laughs> and he can provide for you. Yeah. You know, and that was the norm for for so long. Right. And that's so, interesting. So what she says on this part that that I I agree 
so much with a lot of what she says here is many commenting on Josh Harris's apostasy are throwing out the purity baby with the purity culture bathwater. Let's be clear here. Pursuit of holiness and sexual purity are not the problems. I agree. The Bible clearly calls us to abstinence before marriage and faithfulness within it. No doubt I kissed dating goodbye went too far in making promises that scripture does not. And in suggesting that obedience to God is transactional. I very much agree with her condemnation of that. That's the reason why I think this article is um, the one that I specifically wanted to talk about, because there's so much that I'm, that, like, I'm so much agree with and feel like there are accurate dangers that she's talking about. But then a couple other things with those actual dangers... That, that then I end up having issues. For instance, um, Brad mentioned that she listed Rachel Held Evans and Rob Bell and all that. So when she does that, in the list, she says, um, in the last few years, we've watched as celebrity pastors and Christian leaders have denied central teachings of Scripture, Rachel Held Evans and Rob Bell. So in that, she's saying that Hell and LGBTQ are central teachings of Scripture. Like, LGBTQ is for sure not central teaching. Like, you can say there's parts that are said in there, but to call that central teaching is just not true. Hell's not mentioned that much. Neither of those are mentioned much at all. Feel free to go back to our episode on hell because I think we gave specific numbers of yeah. When I mean, there if you look up worry, words that were possibly in relation to hell that were listed, right? Sure, Jesus mentioned things that have been translated as hell. I think he said like three or four things that that are attributed to being about hell. But how many times did he talk about helping the poor, the widow, the orphan? A lot more than that. How many times did he talk about a lot of different things more than that? So to call them central teachings, I have a big issue with. Um, But then (laughs) she says um, pastors that have been uh, found out that they've been in um, immorality, which, yes, she lists a bunch of people that were had multiple affairs and a couple who had sexual assault charge or allegations and all that kind of stuff. A lot of... uh, Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there that was not okay. But then says, flirted with unbiblical teachings, and she put Mark Driscoll and Beth Moore together. Which, I don't know how much y'all know about that whole situation, but Mark Driscoll um, had a huge pattern of abuse in the way he treated people within his church. And he made it to where he had ultimate authority throughout his church to the point where when people questioned him, he kicked them out and then actually got rid of all members of his church and and upgraded his authority in the church and then made people re-become members with him in, in basically a deity role. <laughs> like a whole bunch of things that were not okay that broke his complete church when it came out how he had treated people. Beth Moore said she was going to preach on Mother's Day. Those are the two people she put together. Yeah. Like, that's all she did. I mean, now, since, since this has been written, she's, she also put on Twitter that the Bible is not God, and you can't read the Bible and say you spent time with God. Like, those aren't the same thing. Uh, you can use the Bible to learn about God, but that's not the same thing as... Um, spending time with God according to the things Jesus said. Um, and has done a couple other steps, but, I mean, she's she's talking about someone essentially setting themselves up as, like, a deity within the church and being very abusive with, it's okay for women to preach. Like, that's <laughs> that's super messed up. Like, and that's, that's one of the things of, like, those pairings that, that really bother me because I absolutely agree. Mark Driscoll did unbiblical things that were incredibly destructive. And I don't understand how a woman preaching on mother's day hurts anybody. But that's the, that's the issue is when you say things like this, that I'm, I'm with you 
I agree wholeheartedly. And then you sneak something in that's like, oh yeah, by the way, let's hate these people. Since these people are actually bad, let's put this on there as well and couple this group together. Um, to the point where that kind of building up of just kind of how literally evil they're calling them. I mean, um, she has the the quote just before that of uh, the volume of celebrity pastors, leaders, and musicians, etc., departing from the faith or even falling away is incredibly devastating, is an indication of the whole. This is how many unknown small-town pastors are doing the exact same thing, how many men who have no genuine love for Christ are preaching each Sunday only because they have no viable source of income that will stream in from the book deals, interviews, and so forth when they depart, uh, when they depart from the faith. How many unknowns are doing much the same? Worship leaders, Bible study leaders, community group leaders, etc. How many are serving not the church, not Christ, but their true father, Satan? Satan! And while I agree that there's a lot of people who are at that point, a big reason people are at that point is because previously in this article even, she vilified deconstruction. She vilified being able to ask questions and actually pursue your faith in a way that criticizes what's been added on and trying to find out what Jesus actually said. Like when you vilify that kind of idea, it leads to this, to where people just can't believe in any of it. Like, if it's all or nothing at all times, and people have any questions, yes, there's so many pastors who are, just don't care anymore. They know the words to say, and that's it. There's so many people of faith who've gotten to that point. And that's the issue. That's something that absolutely happens, but because of the vilifying of questions. I would think that, yes, that's part of it for sure. Like, obviously, it's not everybody's reason for, for leaving the faith or faking faking their role in the church. But, yeah. Yeah. I, would, I mean, I would definitely say it's the majority, at least where it starts. Um, yeah. Um, but <laughs> with, with this idea of, uh, of, like, the fear so that, that it builds. Do I? So let me ask another question just to clarify. So you're – you're saying that you think that a lot of the faith leaders or pastors that end up kind of going through the motions or feel like they're pigeonholed in this career, they don't have a better viable option for taking care of their whatever, whatever financial, et cetera, thing that they want, that the reason that they kind of fall away from the faith is because they're not given the Basically, the ability to ask hard questions. Yes, because okay. it's not just um, if you're a pastor and you have questions about like, like so so it's not great translation that we've grouped all of these different words to mean hell, or we've grouped all these different things that didn't have anything to do with being gay to as homosexual. So I don't I don't know if that's true. If you vocalize that and you're a pastor where your entire social situation of you and your family, your financial situation, everything, how you understand God, literally everything about your life is caught up in, I can't vocalize this. Yeah, it, I mean, that, that breaks people. Like, there's huge issues from that. And, I mean, if you look at, the, there's the episode where uh, we talked through um, a lot of the numbers um, on pastors of different things they do with how, how suicidal they are, with how they stop believing, with how they don't have friends, with how they can't connect with anybody. Like if, if you had just a question that you really wanted to know the answer to, but you knew if you tried to figure it out at all, your wife might leave you, all of your friends would leave you, you would have no job, everything would collapse, and then you'd be maligned by everybody that said they loved you. I mean, how do you how do you thrive in that kind of situation? Right, but do you, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's the case for the majority of denominations that are Protestant, though. Do you? I mean, like I obviously, do. I mean, with, for us, like I, Baptist, I would say yes but because you think some of the the more liberal leaning, like Methodists. Yeah, the Methodists on, are trying to figure out if the entire denomination is going to break. I know. 
<laughs> so <that>. yes, but <laughs> like, it's a big deal. But then you had, I mean, Presbyterian Church split. So there's the liberal branch and and then the non PCA right, and that, that took a long time, right? And yes, <laughs> I, I would definitely say that statistics lean towards that as a thing. But I guess some of the 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 last that that I'll really say on it is that with this this idea that's also there of if you go through any deconstruction, if you question any of these things, you were never a Christian at all. Like you were never part of us, that kind of thing. And um, just kind of the fear that builds up in all of that. I mean, it, it gets to the point where um, she even says that it's going to get to the point that basically we're going to be crushed and destroyed with people <laughs> like holding us down and asking us where we stand for in like LGBTQ situations and like that kind of thing, you know, like they're going to eventually going to, you know, press us down. until, like, you know, we're, <laughs> we're hunted down. We're basically hunted down by people who are pro gay. Yes. I mean, that she's saying, you know, we're not far from it. So, um, what's up, man? Y'all, uh, y'all still, still digging this podcast? You should let us know. Cause if not, I'm going to start a new one. I refuse to accept this podcast topic is closed until there's a song. Oh, you can't, don't push me in a corner for two songs. The first one I'm made putting Brad baby in dumb. a corner. He just looked at me just like, I'm putting I didn't baby see anything in, a in his eyes. <laughs> Put baby in the corner. I hope. I'd love to have Josh on the podcast, but he's way Song. too important for us. Brad, will you text Josh and ask him if he will go with us on a voyage? I'll accept that. On a voyage. Was that good? Right? <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah, definitely stole that melody. Uh, in the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, I, ca- I think I just, uh, I may have just embodied Jessica Day from New Girl when she sang in a ghetto. Did you all see that episode of New Girl? Is that the wedding? Uh, no, the funeral. Whoa. Yeah. Those are different. Um, <laughs> so it's, it? an, it's an Elvis song. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. <laughs> in the it ghetto. Shows, that shows where David's at, that his singing in the ghetto was a, uh, Jessica Day, not Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows it's an Elvis. I was ref- referencing New Girl. Just saying. Okay. Um, I wouldn't known it was an Elvis song until New Girl. Ah. Because I don't, I don't like Elvis. There was, uh, there's this thing called the internet. We're on it. Uh, we got a website. You've not heard of okay. it. You should probably check it out. Net. Check out that World Wide Web. We're I mean, on. Not, there's we're a on lot Twitter. of it you probably shouldn't. We're not doing out. a lot on Twitter. Sorry, guys. Um, we're also on Facebook. We love to talk to you all on Facebook, so give us a shout-out. If you dig our podcast, um, give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's what I got. Thank you. And on that note, we'll close it out. There you go. <laughs> what up, Josh? I'm Brad Steer. I like to think that Josh is listening to this podcast right now. On behalf of Josh Harris. On behalf of Josh Harris, I'm David Meggs. I'm James Eisenhower. Everything's okay, people. Years from now, when we're old and gray, before time allows thoughts to Will you think of me as a distant memory? Or will I be beside you still? As of now, we're far away But it doesn't mean that's how our hearts will stay If you call on me, oh darling, can't you see? I'll be beside you still Happiness is coffee in the morning Sitting by your side You and I quietly talking at night 
Making plans and then leaving on a whim Just to keep the fire alive Tell me, dear, does our love survive? Will you be by my side? I still write songs while you paint next to me Will I be beside you still? Happiness, coffee in the morning, sitting by your side You and I quietly talking at night Making plans and then leaving on a whim Just to keep the fire alive Tell me, dear, does our love Beside you still Will I be Beside you 